of Radio Free Brooklyn and staff or management. Thank you for listening and have a dope day. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome to What Would Kay Say? I am your host, Kay Edwards. Little technical difficulty there. We had to change a mic over. And I'm used to always talking on mic one. But then I remembered that they said mic one wasn't working anymore. And I had to go to mic two. And enough of that. You know, look, you know, anytime I come into this studio in the morning, there's always bound to be something that's going to occur, Right. It's just, that's just the nature of how I work here. Until I get it totally together, 
And you know what I say about that? If and when I ever get it totally together, that's when God's saying, okay, it's time for you to go. (laughs) Because every time I come in here and something's just a little bit off and I don't have it right, then I know he's still working with me, right? So how are all my blessed and highly favored people doing today? Giving thanks and honor to God as always for seeing us through another week. Because God is just so good, isn't he? Every morning I open up my eyes and I say, thank you, Lord, for keeping me here another day. And you should all be doing the same. If you don't, do anything else. Say thank you when you wake up. Because if it were not for the grace and mercy of the Lord, where would we all be? And asking that question It's a perfect opening into what we will be talking about today. We're going to be talking about the grace and mercy of God and how wonderful they both are. Today, we're going to begin with grace. What is grace? Why did God grant grace? And how are we to move in this grace that he's given us? So now grace is the unmerited favor or goodness of God towards man despite our sinful ways. God still looks out for us. How amazing is that? Loving us after everything that we have done. And we first see God's expression of grace in the Old Testament with Noah and with Saying this, I mean, in the Bible, it states that Noah found grace. And in Genesis 6, 8, it says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. This was a major, this was major, right? But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah found grace with God at a time when the world was completely out of Control. So let's go back a little bit. The scriptures preceding that statement tells us that God was completely over man and his wickedness. God saw that every intent of the thoughts of the heart of men was evil continually. It saddened God. Actually, the Bible says that it grieved his heart. That's when he said that he would destroy. Man, birds, creepy things, everything that he had ever created. Now you know. Let's think about it. When the God of all creation, heaven and earth, says that he wants to destroy everything that he made, because when he created heaven and earth and the birds and the creepy things, he said it was good. And it pleased him what he had created. Then he created man to rule and subdue the earth of all the creatures. And it was good for a minute. Then along came Satan. And I'm sure that that's where the saying misery loves company was originated. Because Satan knew that there was no way that he and his followers, the falling angels, could ever get back into the good graces of God. Or back into heaven for that matter. 
they could just kiss all that goodbye. So with knowing that, Satan made it his business to corrupt everything that God had created, everything that was present here on earth. So we all know the story, but I'll give you a little back story behind it. Adam and Eve mess up in the garden and get evicted. They have children. And as always, if you have more than one child, chances are you increase your probability of having a child that's not going to do what you want them to do. Lo and behold, they had two and one of them was corrupt. Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve gave birth to Cain and Abel. Now, Abel was the obedient one. Cain, of course, the disobedient one. Long story short, Cain kills Abel because he was jealous. God spares his life and places a mark upon him so that everyone knows that they can't touch him. Now, when I read that, I said, wait a minute. They were talking about, when I was doing the research on this, they talked about when the word grace first appeared in the Bible. But then I thought, I said, okay, so the word grace was associated with Noah. So that's why they say, okay, that's the first reference of. But when I think about it, God sparing Cain's life was an act of grace. Because think, Cain killed his brother. And by all measures, he should have been killed himself. Let's look at Genesis 4, 11 to 15. This, now, this is God speaking to Cain. So now you are cursed from the earth, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you till the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength to you. A fugitive and a vagabond, you shall be on the earth. And Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Surely you can have driven me out this day from the face of the ground. I shall be hidden from your face. I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond on the earth. And, I, and it will happen that everyone who finds me will kill me. And the Lord said to him, Therefore, whoever kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark on Cain, lest anyone finding him should kill him. Now, God has protected Cain even from his own, his own crime. Now, Cain had committed a hideous crime. Now, let's think about this for a moment. Why is it that when people do evil, they are always looking at others to have mercy on them when they get caught? Now, while they're committing their evil deeds, they walk around like, mm-hmm, yeah, it happened. Oh, but when the tables are turned, when it's time to reap the consequences of their actions, all of a sudden they want to start bawling about how everyone's against them. Look what's happening to me. Am I right or not? Isn't that what Cain had did? Cain killed his brother. And then when God told him what was going to be his punishment, then he was like, oh, oh, you're turning the ground against me. You're turning your face for me. People that see me, they're going to want to kill me. You took somebody else's life. Now you're so worried about your own. Fast forward a little bit. So Cain goes on his merry way out from the family and he has children. Now, God didn't make him sterile so that he couldn't have any more kids to be like him after him. And so the saying goes, right? Apples don't fall far from the tree, right? 
But like my sister always says, and they don't roll sometimes either. And because apples don't fall far from the tree, we see that Cain's great, great, great grandson is also a murderer. Now, his name is Lemet. And not only was he a murderer, but he was the first polygamist as well. He was the first one in the Bible to have two wives. So, you know, Cain's whole, his whole people was head for the wrong direction. But let's go back to Adam and his family. Eve gives birth to another baby boy. Yay, Seth. And Seth made it all right again with God. Seth was obedient and so was his children. So when we go through the line of Adam with Seth, we see that there's also a name Lemek in that line. But this Lemek served God and he had a son. And this is Genesis 5.29. And he called his name Noah saying, this one will comfort us concerning our, walk, our work and the toil of our hands because of the ground which the Lord has cursed. So in having Noah, Lemek knew that he would be the one that would bring God's blessings back to everyone that was there. So here we have Noah with whom God was pleased. And this is the first time, like I said, the word grace was written in the Bible, referring to how God felt about an individual. And also, when you think of the word grace, back then, it translated into the favor. So God had found someone who he could have favor upon because he wasn't following the status quo of all the evil and wickedness that was going on in the world at the time. So it was stated that Noah walked with God so that he, so that would mean that he followed the ways that he had learned from a child and continued to show reverence to the Lord despite all of the evil that was happening around him. So now let's think about this. This is a clear indication that we can follow God and that we don't have to bow down to what's happening in the world regardless of what the world is doing. Because Noah chose to follow God, even though everything had God had said, man is continuously evil in his heart. He saw it to the point where he wanted to get rid of everyone, everything that, everything that was alive on the earth he wanted to destroy. So if Noah can follow God in a time like that, why wouldn't we be able to follow God in a time like this? It's just all a matter of choice. So now in the Old Testament, when a person had found grace with God, they were considered to have the favor of God on them. So Moses had the favor of God on him. Moses spoke to God face to face, right? Remember? He went up and he saw the flame, and that's when God was telling him, my name is I Am. And Gideon, Gideon also had the favor of the Lord on him because when he was asked to bring a sacrifice to the Lord, Gideon saw an angel of the Lord. He had appeared in the fire when Gideon had to burn the sacrifice before God. 
Samuel also found grace with God. From a little boy, when Hannah had him, Hannah promised to the Lord that she was going to give her son over to God. And as a little boy, God called out to Samuel. And he found favor with God because God knew what Hannah had promised him. David found favor with God because, hey, David was a man after God's own heart, right? David loved the Lord with all his heart, and he knew watching over the sheep, God had given him the strength to kill the bear, to kill the lion, and ultimately to kill Goliath. Esther had found favor with God. She was chosen to save her people from a destruction that in that time they wanted to get rid of all of the Jews. And Esther was put in the palace to persuade the king to spare the lives of the Jews. So Esther found favor with God. In the Old Testament, the grace that was given to people that was given to people of God, it was given from God. It was given directly. He was directly in contact with these people when he was giving them the grace. Now, in the New Testament, in the New Testament, the grace that we are experiencing, because we're living in New Testament time, now comes through the blood of Christ. Christ came to give us grace. Grace was the gift that God had given us through his son so that we could be reconnected to him. Because think about it. Although we see little pockets from just what I mentioned, and I'm sure if you read the Old Testament, you'll see some others as well that I had not mentioned. But throughout the Old Testament, we see the people, individual people that found grace with God, and then God used them to put the grace and favor over his other people that were following. But he only, you know, at that time, he would choose the one to carry it out over the others. Now in the New Testament, God doesn't pick individuals to have grace or to be able to give grace to his people. He did it once. He did it with the blood of his son so that we could be reconnected back to him. And that's what it was all about, the reconnection back to him. Because, you know, once Adam and Eve had messed up in the garden, we were forever disconnected from God. Because God can't look upon sin. Because he's holy and everything connected to him must be holy. So Jesus is the bridge that we use to get to God. And when Jesus died on the cross, he took on all the sins of the world, the sins that had been committed, as well as the sins that were to come. So now think about that. That's amazing. If you tell a lie this afternoon, if I tell a lie to you right now, Jesus has already covered me. And when you do something next week, whether you know you're going to do it or not, he's already covered you. From now until his return, until he returns, 
you're already covered. Now, how can anyone say that they don't believe in him? He takes the blame for everything so that you don't have to. And now when I say now you don't have to, it's not like you commit a crime and be like, ah, whatever. When I say that, I'm saying for those of you, for those of you who understand, Jesus is there. So when you do have something or you fall into sin, which we all will because we can't help it because that's what we're born in. We're born in sin and shaped in iniquity. You have the, uh, you have the ability to repent and Jesus will take the blame for you. Whereas before when they wanted to repent, God had a whole list of things they had to do. Get this goat, cut this part of the goat out, put it under the sun at this hour. And I'm going to, we're going to do a study in Leviticus to show Because in Leviticus, that's where it had all the different sacrifices for the sins that they committed, certain ways that they had to bring it to God. You just couldn't bring a goat and be like, okay, God, here, this is my sacrifice for the sin. No, no, no. And we're going to do a study on Leviticus because when I was reading it the other day, I was like, oh, my gosh. Could you imagine if we had to live like that today? Could you imagine? We We would never, ever, ever, ever be able to cover ourselves as easy as it is. Well, it wasn't easy for him, but as easy as Christ did it for us. He was the one sacrifice that went for us, his blood, and that was it. So, like I said, until his return, we're covered so that you don't have to take the blame. Now, that's love, right? And it's the love of God shown to the wicked, and it's the peace of God given to those who are anxious, and it's the unmerited favor of God. That's what grace is. Grace is God's favor to those that are unworthy. Grace is the benevolence of God towards the undeserving. With this grace, God is willing to forgive, bless, and care for all of us, despite our shortcomings. Because as Romans 3.23 tells us, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Meaning that I don't care how much you walk around and feel that you haven't done anything. You've done something. You just being born here on earth. Sin. <laughs> no, I'm not saying it as a, I'm not saying it as a bad thing. But that's just the reality of it. Every newborn baby born on earth, sin. Automatically, you're born into sin. You can't help it. You cannot control it. That is what the atmosphere is here on earth. You're born sinner. And it's not until you recognize that someone has taken your place for those sins that you can then repent and bring yourself out of the sin through Christ. But just being born sinner, 
You didn't even have to say anything. You didn't even have to do anything. As soon as you took your first breath, sinner. I mean, I know that's kind of harsh to hear, but it's the reality. It's the reality. And I know there are a lot of you out there that are like, what is she talking about? Please. They're always talking about, but I'm not going to get into it as far as whether you want to believe it or not. But the day will come when you will see. And see, that's the, that's the, the, how can I put it? That's the end of, of the whole entire story of people talking about, you know, you need to get right with God and you need to get right with Jesus and you need to read your Bible. And they just want you to know. They want you to know. And then afterwards, you can still make your own choice. But to completely say, I don't even want to hear it, you've already heard it. Once somebody comes to you and says it to you and you give the rebuttal of, I don't want to hear it, you cannot say you didn't hear it because you heard it to say, I don't want to hear it, if that makes any sense. And that's what it's all about. God just wants everyone to have the option to choose because he's still a God about choice. He's still about, it's your choice. It's your choice. It's your choice whether you want to or not. It's your choice whether you want to believe or not. It's your choice whether you want to follow or not. It's your choice. If you want anything you do, it's your choice. But you can't make a choice if you don't have two things, right? How can you choose if you only have one thing in front of you? So that's why when he said to the disciples and to us that are followers, go out and spread the gospel, It wasn't to bash people over the head to make them become. It was just to let them know that they had a choice. And now their choice is theirs. You can believe me or you cannot believe me. End of story. But my part was done. I told you. You heard me. It's up to you to choose. And after that, then we see. And that that right there, if you don't understand anything else, about the gospel or the Bible or what people are talking about when they're talking about God and Jesus, just think about it on that level. If someone or some being or some spirit is giving me a choice, obviously that must mean that one is better than the other or it's something that I should investigate because why would why would there be two sides that I need to choose one why why would I have to choose one why can't I just live because you can't just live you have to make a choice and for that that is why when I wake up in the morning I give thanks to God because of his grace and it's just that simple so now next week We'll continue with grace, and we're going to talk about how are we supposed to act in this period of grace that we're in. And then we'll also go into mercy. So with that, it's time for us to take a music break. You've been listening to What Would Kay Say here on Radio Free Brooklyn, What Brooklyn Sounds Like. Thank you. 
you to put your hand on your neighbor's shoulder. Tell him there is grace for you. There is grace for the faithful. There is grace for the fallen. God has given you grace for what you need. He's given grace for the future. He's given grace for the past. He's given grace to be first when you were last. There is grace, there is grace, always grace for you. There is grace, there is grace, always grace. Grace is different from mercy but it doesn't accept you from pain whatever you feel there's no more shame grace makes you strong grace frees you from fear it cuts through the clutter grace keeps you clear There is grace, always grace for you. You say it. There is grace. There is. There is grace, always.
Every moment of our 
Jesus, need Jesus. Everybody in the world need Jesus. Need Jesus, need Jesus. Everybody in the world need Jesus.
Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. You are listening to What Would Kay Say here on Radio Free Brooklyn. It is now time for the part of the show that I call Op-Ed. And now, as always, he's going to give us an example of what we were talking about in the beginning of the show. In the news right now, we have a classic example of a, I can do whatever I want, but then when I get caught, oh, what are you doing to me? Case in point, Donald Trump. And the FBI seizure of the classified documents, oh my gosh, what is wrong with me today? The classified documents in his Mar-a-Lago home in Florida. Now, it's my understanding that Trump was asked months ago to return the files that he had lifted from the White House. Yes, I said lifted because when you take something that does not belong to you, you're lifting it, right? It doesn't belong to you. So he had returned some of the documents, and because of some of the documents that he had returned, after the FBI started looking through them, they were like, wait a minute. These papers aren't supposed to be in his house because there was information in some of the documents that they that his lawyers gave back that was top secret, classified, had people's names in there, exposure. So they're like, what a, if this is some of the boxes that he returned to us, what do the other boxes in his house say? And that's why they were like, look, we need to get in there to see what those papers say. But if we think about it, had he returned all the documents that he took from the White House when he left, we would have never known, A, that he had documents that he shouldn't have had, and B, that the FBI was looking into him having documents that he never had. We would have never known it because the only reason how we knew it was because of the warrant that they obtained from the judge stating that, no, we need to get in there and see what else is in those boxes that he did not bring back to us. So now, they got over 15 boxes, right, from the house. And let's just think about it. And let's just really be, really, really, even those who love Trump to death, and it's not for me to say whether you should love the man or not, because as Christians, we're supposed to love everybody regardless of their behavior, because it's not the behavior that God loves. It's the person that he loves. It's not their behavior, because when you think about it, he could just as easily look at you. You know what I'm saying? God could just as easily look at you with your behavior and be like, I don't want to be bothered with you, but it's the person. It's the being that God loves. And that's why Jesus, like we talked about in the beginning of the show, was the one to sacrifice for all our sins, all of our sins, and that includes everyone and their sins as well. So now, even if you love Donald Trump to the point where they are really, if you really, really believe in your heart of hearts that they are doing this man an injustice and that nothing that he says is wrong and that everything that he says, he's right for saying it, if that's the stance you take, that's the stance you take. Right? We all have a choice. But 
think about it. The FBI responded the way the FBI always responds. They responded in true FBI fashion. Oh, you have something that we want to find out about and you're not telling us? Well, we're going to get a warrant. And when we get that warrant, we're going to come in there and we're going to collect everything that we want from you that you are not giving to us. That's the FBI. That's the FBI cross the board with everybody. They don't care who you are. They don't care what your name is. They don't care where you come from. FBI going all the way back to Hoover when it first started. That's the FBI. Oh, you have something that we want and you're not giving it to us? Oh, don't worry about that. We're just going to get a warrant and we're going to come in and take it anyway. That's the way they act. That's what they do. So, and they've been doing this all the time. Speak to some of the descendants of some of the mafia. Speak to some of the descendants of Al Capone's family. I mean, anybody that the FBI wanted to go in on, they went in on. They didn't care. But, but this is, this is what, this is the part that makes it murky. When the person that they're going in on, and now we know that this person, this particular person that they're going in on has said and done some things that are questionable themselves. And like I said, God doesn't look at what they do. He looks at the being. So they've done some questionable things themselves, right? But now they're starting to make noise to deflect, much like Cain did when he was like, God, oh, you turned the ground against me. I can never see you again. And now when I go out there, people are going to want to kill me. But he wasn't thinking that when he stabbed his brother, right? Well, we don't know if he stabbed him, but when he killed him. So now this person is making a lot of noise. Oh, they had no right to come into my home. They had no right to go into my personal property. But you had boxes in there that came out of another property that should not have been in your home. Right? And now you want to play victim. Like, why are they doing this to you? They're not doing anything to you that they wouldn't do to any one of us or haven't done to any one of us. Well, never me, thank God. I hope I never have something in my house they're looking for. But when you think about it, it's just an act of what, it's just what they do. So rather than make noise, just let them do what they do. Just let them do what they do. And in the end, it's going to all come out. If you're right, you're going to be vindicated. But think about it. But think about it. When you were, and I say him, the person that we're talking about, when he was attacking people for years, he would say things disparaging against people, take out ads in the paper. Do we all recall back when he took at that, took out that full page ad in the New York Times talking about who was then known as the Central Park Five when those young boys were railroaded into the police station. He talked about them like they were animals, right? Oh, you should do this to them. They're this, they're that. How dare they, this and that. Only to find out that the whole thing wasn't them at all. 
right? So, when you do things, and this is for everybody, not just him, but when you do and say things, be very mindful. That's where that saying comes from, those who live in glass houses with the stones and the bricks. Don't throw any. But Jesus was even better than that. When they came and they wanted to crucify the the woman for being an adulteress, he just bent down and started writing in the sand. He just started writing. We don't know what he was writing. He could have been writing their name saying, "Mm, you last night was here. This one's name, mm -hmm, I know you did this. Because remember, Jesus was God in the flesh. So he knew everything that everybody was doing at all times. Just because he didn't say it, that didn't mean that he didn't know it. So when he wrote down in that sand, he was writing down everything that all them that came running to him saying, kill her because she is. He was like, "Mm mm-hmm. And what about this? Mm Mm-hmm. And probably was even putting debts up there, dollar amounts. Mm Mm-hmm. Don't you remember this? So we have to be very careful, very careful when we want to start blasting everything like as if it's truth. Right? Because karma, karma has a way of completing her circle. She likes walking around in a circle. That's her thing. That's her shape. When it comes to geography, karma loves circles. That's the end. She doesn't like squares. She likes circles. She, and she likes perfect circles. So it's not, yeah, it may take her a little time to get around. But she gets around. And let's just think, karma has not completed her circle yet. Because this is not over yet, right? That ends op-ed. So now, the word of the month, because we're still in August, the word of the month is abstinence. And this is the last day, this is the last Sunday of the month for August. But our word is still abstinence. It's the practice of restraining oneself from indulging in something. And our, hmm, okay, yeah, I could do this as our promise. I want our promise today to be from 1 Peter 5.10. But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. So with that, I say everyone have a wonderful Sunday. Enjoy your week. Stay blessed. Stay safe. And until God brings us together again next week, I say peace. I'm going to play a song. I want, I'm I had a song lined up for now, but I think I want to change it up. So have a good one, people. Be good to one another.